have in front of you is a, a, a piece from Rav Kluger on the Parsha. Um, Rav Kluger has, on every Parsha, he has three Torahs that he gives over each week. One is called, one is called Rava the Ravin, which is basically Kabbalah. Then there's called Karva El Nafshi, which is like Hasidus, which is the stuff we've learned in the past. And then there's a second section, which he has, it's called Asagbeyu Kiyoda Shemi. That stuff is more out there, but in there. It's sort of in between. So this is a very interesting Torah that he gave over in Tavshanai and Gimel, based on this parasha, that I think is just it's fascinating. A lot of the t- content, content we've touched on in the past, but I think it's, to put it all together, I think is very important. So in this parasha, we're told of Eichi Yaakov. We're talking about the end of Yaakovina's life, that Yaakovina lived in Mitzrayim for 17 years. So if Kluger begins by quoting Yerushalmi, that the Yerushalmi says, Al Rabbeinu HaKadosh, we know that Rav Yudah Anasi, the great, the great leader of Klal Yisrael, who compiled or authored the Mishnayis, the Yerushalmi makes an interesting observation. Yaakov Avinu lives in Mitzrayim for 17 years, Ve'ichi Yaakov he lives in Mitzrayim for 17 years. The Yerushalmi says that although Rav Yudah Anasi lived in Tiveria most of his life, the last 17 years of his life he moved to Tzipuri. And the Yushalmi says that he used to say, that Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim for 17 years, and Yehuda lived in, in Sipuri for 17 years. Yushalmi says. What's the significance of this? So says the Arizal, and from the Megalamukas as well, the Megalamukas, the Megalamukas says, you see from this Gemara that Rav Yudha Nasi was a spark, a Gilgal, a reincarnation of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov is Taira. He's also Taira. Nasi, the word Nasi, Nun, Shin, Yud Aleph, is Nitzutz Shel Yaakov Avinu. A spark of Yaakov Avinu. It's interesting also, the Gemara tells us that, and we'll see why this is relevant. The Gemara tells us that when Rivka was pregnant and she had the two babies of Yaakov and Esav fighting in her stomach, the Gemara says, it was a reference to two different nations that are always going to be struggling, and that's who? Rabbi Yudanasi and Antoninus. It means Rabbi Yudanasi is also a Gilgal of Yaakov Avinu. And the same way Yaakov lived 17 years performing, perfecting his tikkun, Rabbi Yudanasi lived 17 years in Sipuri doing his job. It's also a fascinating thing. The Gemara tells us that Yaakov Avinu loy meis. Whatever this means, it's a fascinating Gemara. The Gemara says Yaakovinu never died. So the Gemara says, but it says in this parasha, he was embalmed. So the Gemara says, Mikra and I'm telling you a pasuk, he never died. Whatever this means, it means there's a certain element of Yaakovinu that's like, doesn't end, that's everlasting. Rav Yudanasi, the Gemara in Ksubis, tells us something fascinating by Rav Yudanasi, that every Shabbos, after he passed away, for the first year, Rav Yudanasi would come to his house every Friday night, and make Kiddush. He would make Kiddush every Friday night after he passed away. Rabbi Danasi would, would show up every Friday night to make Kiddush. Now, the Sefer Chassidim, by the way, just Agav, the Sefer Chassidim says, you see from here, that although after someone passes away, they're no longer obligated and able to perform mitzvahs, tzaddikim are capable. Okay. He came every Friday night to, to perform Kiddush. By the way, interestingly enough, why did he stop coming? So the Gemara over there says in Ksubis, and it was Daf it came up a couple months ago, that uh, a neighbor knocked on the door 
Friday night, and the maidservant said, quiet, Ravi Danasi's making Kiddush. So once it got revealed what he was up to, he didn't want to come back anymore, but not because the secret got out, because he said it, it's, it creates a, a judgment against other tzaddikim that people are going to say, other tzaddikim aren't as chashiv as me. Okay. Rabbi Danasi comes back every Friday night. What's up, Shab? Because he's a Gilgal of Yaakov Avinu. In Yaakov Avinu Loimais, there's a Bechina, there's an element of Yaakov Avinu that's everlasting. Rabbi Danasi also doesn't die. Tyre is MS, his Tyre keeps going. That's Rabbi Danasi being Gilgal of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu was a Gilgal of who? was a Gilgal of Adamarishan. He says in the next paragraph, Yeshus Boynimazer. And again, what's the significance of all this? I'll explain in a moment. The truth is, you should, be, you should realize, Yaakov lives in Eretz Yisrael for 130 years. What's the significance of 130 years? 130 years are the years that Adam Rishon separated from his wife Chava after performing the sin. And during those years, it was considered, that was the years before Tshuva, right? Adam Rishon sins, sins, uh, 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 Rishon sins by eating Eitz and he, he feels terrible about it. For 130 years, he separates from his wife until he does tshuva. Then he, he's back with Chav and he has sheis. And that's the continuation of the world. Those 130 years are years of sin. Not just sin, the Gemara even connects it to Arias. There was some problem with Arias in those parshas. Those 130 years were fixed by Yaakov Avinu. A lot of this I'm just going to say outside. You could see it inside if you'd like. And all this is from the Arizal and Megal Mukas. The Arizal said that Yaakov Vinu was fixing other Marishan. The truth is, that's why Yaakov Vinu had to go where? He had to go to Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim was considered the most immoral place. The reason being is because the Arizal revealed, again, I'll, I'll explain what all of this has to do with anything. The Arizal revealed that the sin of other Marishan had a component of it, of the big three. There was an element of it. I mean, you could figure it out. I mean, Shvichasdam, he brought death to the world. Avodizara, he wanted to be a god. Gila Arayis, there was a whole thing that Anachash wanted to be the Chav. There's an element of that sin that was, each Av was coming to perfect a different thing. Avram Avinu perfected Avodizara. Yitzchak perfected Shvichasdam. Yaakovinu finally fixes it without, with a Gila Arayis. And those 130 years that Yaakovinu was living in Eretz Yisrael is to perfect the 130 years that he was separated. And he says further, when Yaakov Inu meets Paro, and Paro says, how old are you? He says, I'm 130. My life is ma'at v'ro'im. It's few and it was miserable. So it's a shayla. So Rashi already brings down that he was punished on his level for complaining. But what's he talking about? The truth is, we find the words ma'at v'ro'im regarding erva onan, which are the, sins of Yehuda, the sons of Yehuda that sinned with with Arias, with spilling seed and all that stuff. We find the word Ma'ava Ra'im, Yaakovinu was explaining to Paro, my 130 years are to fix the Ma'at Ra'im, those years of Adam Rishon. I'm to fix, I'm to fix the Gile Arias of Adam Rishon. So you have, Ravid Nasi is a Gilgal of, of Yaakov, Yaakov is a Gilgal of Adam Rishon. So the Gemara says that when ya- Yosef saw, but Yosef also, he sees Yaakovinu and that stops him from being over Gile Arias. Because Yaakovinu is to perfect that midah. We're getting into Shavim, that's the whole midah of Shavim. The Gemara describes how Yaakovinu looked like Adam Rishon. What does it mean? It means he perfected him, he was a spark from him, he was a Gilgal of his. Okay. Now, he says like this Mikol Hanal, what does any of this have to do? 
with anything. So says Rav Kluger, and this is his broader discussion, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight for a few minutes. The broader discussion is Gilgulim as a whole. Reincarnation as a whole. These are examples of reincarnation, of this tzaddik being a reincarnation, of that tzaddik is that tzaddik. It says of Kluger in the bottom paragraph, Mikol now from all of this matzinu, shechayev sheyakev inu v'chomer that you see that Yaakov in all in his life and everything that happened to him, lo yihayu chayim ha-pratim, It wasn't happenstance and it wasn't a small, you know, thing that happened to him. It was because he sort of had to fix what happened to other Mauritians. Yaakov Avinu is fixing Adam Rishon. Avi Danasi is connecting to Yaakov Avinu. We're connected to Avi Danasi. It's all just it's Gilgulim. It's a Galgal Achayzer. It circles, it circles, it circles, and it keeps on happening. That which happened to them happened to that. The truth is, all of us are sparks of Gilgulim. And these are, these are things that make people a little bit uncomfortable we'll describe tonight. Why? But it's important to understand. And he, this piece is going to try to explain why are Gilgulim so important. Especially knowing that we don't really know who we're Gilgulim of anyway. So it's not like, you know, I'm telling you you're a Gilgul of this. you got to fix this. I just know that I'm a Gilgul. What, what does that help me? What is it? What's the purpose of knowing these things? What are some of the problems with knowing these things? And how do we fix it? So he says, Indian Zehu Mesedel Gilgulim, this concept is the secret of Gilgulim, Hapiseh Histakulis the Yehudi, which opens up a different way for a Jew to look at the world, Lahovin, Eni De Klau Klau. First of all, you don't know what's going on. There's Pashit, like you have a snapshot, you have a, a, a tunnel vision, you see what's just in front of you. And he says, Kilukulim Yeshiroshim no over, every Jew has you know, different connections to the past. So if you look in the middle paragraph, why are Gilgulim so important? Besides, like, oh, it's interesting and it's cool, but why, why is it important? So he says, Bekisve Arizal, Yeshchesh Sha'arim. The Arizal wrote of his Svarim, there are eight Sha'arim, eight different Svarim that start with the word Sha'ar. Sha'ar HaKavonis, Sha'ar And one of those Svarim is called Sha'ar HaGilgulim, which they translated, a rough translator, you could sell it, buy it and give for all that. I find it a little funny. I feel like if you need a translation for Shalagur Gulam, you probably shouldn't be learning Shalagur Gulam. But, but the Arizal revealed in his Sefer all about Gulam. Why, how, what, when, who, and all these things. He opened up a secret, a secret door that had been closed. And the question is, why are Gulam important? And what's the difficulty? He says, This is a little bit of a hemshech of what we spoke about last week. Last week, I spoke about the importance of chassidus and the importance of primis atara. One of the elements that's important about learning primis atara, about learning chassidus, chabad, kabbal, whatever you want to describe, however you want to describe primis atara, one of the elements that it's important to learn primis atara, says Rav Kluger, he says, You see, when you learn Say it's outside. When you learn like a yeshiva bacher, a good yeshiva bacher, and you learn gemara and you're learning halacha, which is important, it's it's the it's the meat and potatoes of of Torah mitzvahs. There's a problem with it, and that problem is you learn in a very two dimensional world. You learn with literally what's in front of you, and all you see is what's in front of you. Now, 
that's not an accurate depiction of what's really happening. See, when someone is just Isaac in the revealed part of Torah, they get a good depiction of halacha and gemara. But what exists to them is what's in front of them, and what's in front of them only. But says of Kluger, you see what's in front of you. You see what's in front of your eyes. But what you're not seeing is a whole other dimension that's working behind the scenes. What you're not seeing is that behind the scenes, there's worlds and there's souls and there's big picture. And you're missing a whole dimension of, of the world as a whole. This is always one of the reasons why like, I always felt that you know, when you're in Yeshiva, you, like a lot of Brahman like, oh, did he learn Kabbalah? Did this Rav know Kabbalah? Like, of course, they all did. All the Sadiqim did. Why? I, you know, like, did Ramosha Feinstein learn Zayar? Of course, I'm sure he learns Zayar. Why? Because how could there be a whole Chalik of Torah that he didn't touch? It's not Shaykh, there's a whole Chalik of Torah these people didn't touch. It's a whole world they didn't see. <laughs> so he says, And if you don't understand about these Gilgulim, and I'll explain in a moment what, what I'm talking about. If, if, if all you learn is the revealed part of Torah, then you're living, then this is what's in front of you. And then when this doesn't make sense, all of a sudden, people question faith. Because all they see is, mom is just what that, they don't realize that you've been here seven times. And maybe what's going on to you right now is because you had to fix things that happened 2,000 years ago. And all of a sudden, you start seeing that there's a much bigger thing that's going on. And there's worlds that are behind your life. There are worlds that are connecting your life. And in the Oilam Haruchni, you, you, you're connected to Tzadikim. All the, there's a whole dimension. And you're not just alone. You're not just like the Jewish people. You know, you, don't, you, you, you realize that there was uh, the, the Jewish people back then are the same Jewish people back now. You start seeing behind the curtain a little bit. And he says, Harichai Ba'am Chitzon, Kalashon Chazal. Tani Rav Yosiyam, Rav Yosiyam says, the Gemara Chagiga, Oilam Labriya Shiroiz, Venir the Maroyas. Rav Yosiyam said about this world, woe is to the Jews that they, they see, but they don't know what they're seeing. They see a very external, two dimensional snapshot of, of life. But he says the next paragraph, Primis Hatayra, the beauty of, again, Chasidis, Chabad, whatever you want to describe it, where they start revealing that when you put on Tvilin, something's happening. Something in that world is happening. There's a big picture. Panemius starts revealing that there's more to this world than just this table. And there's more to this world than just the physical reality. There's something there. There's something deep going on. And a Jew has to know that there's something being accomplished. And all of a sudden, when you start thinking in those terms, like I, I, I've mentioned this many times when I spoke, that I, just, I saw this and it just hit me different when I was younger, that the Chavetz Chaim describes what happens when we go to shul. You have these 12 Jews sitting together in a shtibel, and they're saying, Kaddish, 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 the Kedusha. The Chavetz Chaim says, what's happening in the Ilam Esel is millions of Malachim are getting together and they're waiting for Jews to say Kedusha because once we say Kedusha, they could respond. And they start screaming with their fiery tongues, Kaddish, Kaddish. All of a sudden, that, that's, that's happening there. Now, with, before he revealed that, we didn't know that. And all you see was what's in front of you. He says in Panimius HaTayra, the, the, the hidden part of Tayra, Zayra Kaddish, Ariya Kaddish, Baal Shem Tev, all these things, is Megam Yehudi, they reveal to the Jew, they reveal to the Jew what's really going on, that there's more to this world, there's more going on, that when a Jew does something, it makes a difference, both good and bad. And all of a sudden, your actions can affect the, 
a Jew halfway across the world and a Jew that lived a hundred years ago because time is, is all relative and there's much more going on than just what's in front of you. And by the way, it humbles you. It humbles you. I, I, I've, there are Rabbanim specifically, it's not just Rabbanim, but I've met Rabbanim. Rabbi Nachman talks about this, that the, the nature of Torah is that it empowers you. Rabbi Nachman famously said that you have to make your Torah into a tefillah and tefillah into a Torah. You have to have a combination of the two. What does that mean? Tefillah humbles you. The whole nature of tefillah is to say, this is what I need, I don't have, please help me. Torah empowers you. It's look how much I learned, I know, I accomplish, I, you know, it's, it's all conquering. The problem is that if you learn Gemara and you just have this without the hidden parts of Torah, besides the problems that I said last week, you're also going to become a Balgaiva, potentially. It's a fear. Because all you see is in front of you is this little snapshot, and you know a lot. But all of a sudden, when you start revealing the hidden parts of Torah, reveals there's much more going on. Then it humbles you. You realize you're, there's a whole cog in this whole operation. But here's the problem. Even with all this, even with hearing about Panimus Atari and Chassidus, and when you see that, when you put on tefillin, it does something, all these things, there's still a separation. Rav Kluger says, you see, the problem is that even with learning Hasidus and even with learning all these things, there's still a separation. You still heard about it, but you don't see how it actually manifests itself. You don't see how that spiritual world is affecting this physical world. There's still a separation. There's physical and spiritual, and those two ends don't meet. But what the Arizal revealed the Shara Gilgulim is that all of a sudden that Jewish person's life was affected because of what happened a thousand years ago. That all of a sudden Rav Nasi lived in Sipuri for 17 years because Yaakov Avinu lived in Mitzrayim for 17 years. All of a sudden you start seeing, well, it's, it's seeing with your own eyes how that spiritual world seeping into the physical world. That instead of just saying, oh, you should know, and I've given Shurim about this, you should know that when you dive in, in the Elam, it changes all these things, and it's like, that's very nice, but it still looks like there's here, and there's there, and I, and I don't see how they're meeting. The secret of Gilgulim, one of the positive manifestations, one of the positive results of understanding it, you can see why also this is a piece from Asak Beyuki Adashimi, because it's interesting, but it's practical, but not so practical, and he says one of the positive results of hearing about Gilgulim and learning from those Svarim that revealed how Moshe was a Gilgul of Noyach, and that's why they were both in the Teva. And last year with the boys, every day I would, I would say another Gilgul. It didn't last very long, I said whatever. But it, it, they enjoyed it when we did it. Each day I would say another Gilgul of a different Sadiq and a different person. And you start hearing these things and he's like, oh, that's that. And that's why that had to happen. And one of the positive elements is that it, all of a sudden the spiritual world is seeping into the physical world where it's not just Amuna anymore. You see it with your own eyes. You see how the, the, their lives were repeating because there's something going on over here. A second positive thing is that it helps you when you're going through difficulties. When a Jew is going through difficulties, all of a sudden you tell yourself, I, I, you know, there's a bigger picture going on. All of a sudden that the reason why you know, my significant other is, is maybe not doing well if, you, if you're able to understand that, that it's because 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, they had to go through that, and now it's to fix that. All of a sudden, that's okay. That means that there's, there's a God in heaven who's in control, and it's not just chaos. But there's one problem. And this is something I was talking um, 
at the Shabbos table, this came up, the concept of Gagulin came up, and I heard a complaint. And Rav Kluger addresses this. And he says that there's one potential issue with hearing about Gagulin. And that is, he says over here in the second paragraph, the second column in the bottom, but there's a difficulty with hearing about Gagulin. And that is, you're telling me that I'm going through difficulties not because of anything I did, even though it's kind of what you did, it's you did but years ago. All of a sudden, I'm being punished because of something that happened 500 years ago. That 500 years ago, this had to happen, so I had a good life and I had to have a difficult life. And, and, and again, it's Kiseida throughout Shas and throughout Tanoim that they had to go through, that Rav Akiva's coming back because of this, right, the Tanoim, the Tanoim, Roshim Ba'echoi, I once gave a shir on this, the Sefer Azchus, the Chedush HaRim, is Megala from the Zoyer, that Roshim Ba'echoi was a Gilgal of Shimon from the Shvatim, and that's why he had to go into hiding as a punishment for what he did for the selling of Yosef HaTzadik. And Yosef, Rav Yosef from the Gemara, was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik, and what he also had to go through was because of a Gilgal. And all of a sudden, these are big tzaddikim that are being punished, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm... It's like, so it doesn't matter what I do because, because I, I, I'm stuck because 500 years ago. And I, 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 he says over here, in a very, it's a kushi luchas bizarre, that all of a sudden when a rabbi mentions Gilgul and some people are peaked and some people are excited by it because of what he said, that all of a sudden there's bigger pictures going on and people like to hear that there's bigger stuff going on in their lives and their lives are not a microcosm. It's huge and it's a big deal. But then you'll always have invariably a couple of people that'll say, so what, so I'm not, so it doesn't matter what I do? Well, because 500 years ago, uh, my great-great-grandmother stole a loaf of bread, so now I got, I got to be punished? That's not fair. And he says this, I'm sorry, just to skip, he says in the second, the third paragraph, there's a difficulty to live in this way. People don't want to worry about what happened hundreds of years ago. And not only that, he says in the next paragraph, there's a difficulty also because people like to be in control. So it's like, so what, what, what does it matter? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive in and I'm going to learn and, 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 and I'm going to do this because I want to have good things. But you're saying that, but it doesn't matter because I got to fix a tikkun. That's not fair. And it's a little, I, I hear it. What's the answer? The answer says of Kluger is like this. He says, Achemes, the truth is, Metoich kach. Gilgulim teach a Jew the essence of being a Jew. And that is, Loimid Yehudi Esoyrachai. It teaches you the secret of life, which is, If you had to say one of the biggest compliments, right? You know, unfortunately, you go to funerals. I go to funerals, unfortunately. And you hear how they describe people. A Jew doesn't live to be selfish. You live for others. You don't live because you want... No, nobody does that. No healthy person as part of the Jewish people does it because they want to do things. Nobody wants to do anything. You do it for other people. You live selflessly. A parent can't just say one day, well, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not going to bed. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not, I, don't, I don't care. I'm not cooking, I'm not cleaning, I'm not taking care of my children. I don't want it. What's the answer? That would be, you call child services. What's the, what's the answer? What, what, why? Because that, that's part of being an adult. Part of being a parent and part of being an adult is you have responsibilities. You don't live because you want, you, you do it, you do it because it's right. The truth is, 
That's the role of a Jew. And not just to perform Torah mitzvahs. You see, one of the problems I said before, one of the problems of Gugulim is, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I can perform Torah mitzvahs, I, I learn Torah mitzvahs, I keep Torah, I keep mitzvahs, I don't get good things because 600 years ago, the answer is, that's not why we keep Torah mitzvahs. I, I, I started giving a share on Tuesday nights, Bezah Shem continue, I do it if I can, if I can continue with the topic, where I started going through the myths and misconceptions. And a lot of the things I talked about are schoolers. And people are always confused as to, you know... So I, I'll tell you like this. There was... Um, I mentioned in the last year that one of the schoolers that came up recently, which I'm to my knowledge, there's no source, zero source, is you take a kvittel and you write it and you put it in the menorah. To my knowledge, there's no makar for such a thing. I'm not aware... So I don't, I don't do things... If there's no makar, I'm not, I'm not into doing things in no makar. So I was reading an article from a certain Jew, um, and he was describing this thing, and he was saying that the halachis and the litva, the litvaks, would say, there's no makar, so why are you doing something there's no makar? And he says, I like to look at it, that Hashem, you know, as a tefillah, of look how much Klal Yisrael wants good things, and Hashem Yishev Rachmanis, and like, turn it into real, or something like that. Okay, here's, here's my two cents on this. First of all, doing things that are schoolers that have no makar is not a healthy thing because it leads people to be depressed because they expect things. They heard that it'll work. And then when it doesn't work, but more importantly, and this is a very important side, and you're not like you have to talk to what speaks to you. This speaks to me. Maybe it's the emotionless part of me, but I, it turns Judaism into like, into like, you know, Hashem's like a, like a cash register. That, that all of a sudden, you know, I said Nishmas for 40 days. By the way, just Agav, I should probably talk about this Tuesday night. There is a Makar to saying Nishmas, but not for 40 days. There's a Makar from the, from the Chaim Palagi, that's from 400 years ago, that there was a Makar that when someone was in a tzara, they would accept to say Nishmas when they get out of the tzara. That was such a Makar. Not aware of the 40 days thing. But he, also, 40 days or just... Oh, so that, exactly. So, see, here's the thing. What's the problem with saying for 40 days? I don't have a problem. You want to say for 40 days, that's fine. But you've got to change your mindset. If the mindset is... You see, it, 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 turns, it turns everything into I'm doing this so that I get good things. And like, oh, Hashem, I'll keep Torah Mitzvah as long as it works, as long as it, I cash in. But that's the opposite. That's not the way a Jew lives. And that's exactly what Gugulam teach you. Because you're right. Unfortunately... It is possible, not anyone here, but it's possible that a person will perform mitzvahs and other people who perform the mitzvahs will get great things and he maybe won't get great things right away. Why? Because he has to tikkun, he has to fix his life and that has to do with certain things. You're going to say, well, that's not fair. The answer is, well, we don't do it to get reward right away. That's not why we're in it. He, he describes it with the following mashal. The mashal goes that you have a person who was asked to, to make a certain... Uh, a certain item, and he was he was paid to to make the certain item. Reuven was supposed to make the item, and then a couple days in, halfway through the project, he couldn't do the project. He's a he couldn't do the project. So they asked Shimon to finish the product. Now, finish something someone else's project is never fun because you don't get that excitement of like you know making it on your own. There's a certain seabook, but he says, but but imagine if you're making this product for. For any, you know, any great leader, and you want him to have good things, 
then all of a sudden you're going to be happy because it doesn't matter whether you're the one who finished, started your own thing, didn't finish, you're doing it for someone else. And, and, and so says of Kluger, the myla of understanding about Gugul and what the reason why it helps is besides for the fact that it shows you a big picture and it helps you knowing that what you're going through there's a purpose for, that it, the purpose is not because you're necessarily a bad person, it's because you had to fix things that happened a thousand years ago. But then if you're going to be frustrated and say, well, that's not fair, why is it that I have to go through these things and my friends don't have to go through these things and I perform mitzvahs, then why am I doing it? The answer is you're not doing it to get that instant gratification. That's not why we're here. And that's my point with the whole Tuesday night with all these schoolers. I'm happy if people do them. As long as you don't expect an instant reward, because it's not like that. It's not like that in any relationship. If a person goes to a parent and says, hey, um, can I please get this? And the parent wants to give it to them, but the parent realizes this is not good for them. If I give them this, it's going to be dangerous. If I give them this bike, they will hurt themselves. I'm not going to do it. And they ask, and they ask, and they ask. You can ask all you want. If they're a good parent, they're not going to just cave because of pressure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's not different. Now, yeah, sometimes it's such a musik that Hashem will give it to us and make it work. I understand that. But the, the, the concept turning Yiddishkeit that we, we serve Hashem purely for us to get things is not the Avoidah. The Avoidah is bitl. The Avoid is you serve Hashem to be mevatel yourself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because that's the ultimate good. The ultimate good is to serve Hashem. Whether you get physically good stuff in this world or not is irrelevant. And therefore, says Rav Kluger, the whole mile of Gilgulim is that it davka reinforces that. Because if everything you did was purely based on you, and you could know literally, if I do this shuvah, I'll get this. It'll turn it mamish into uh, an exchange. It'll turn it into currency. It'll turn it that I'm, I don't want to really daven, but I'll daven three times tonight because then I'll get this and this. And that's not what Yiddishkeit is supposed to be. This it turning Hashem into a cash register. He's, that's not the avoid. So says of Kluger, it teaches you the Seid Achayim. Gilgulim Davka teaches you the, the importance of, because you don't know what's going on, you're not able to calculate it. And that's exactly the point. And that's why people, when they ask me, like, I don't understand... Like, why is it that if I did this and this, then why isn't it working? And it's just because you don't know what the problem is, right? It, 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 you know, it, okay, you'll have this. Again, not to get too far in the weeds, but you'll get, you'll have two, two. This is also part of the problem. It's a lot of times that the segulas and these things are being amplified by people on WhatsApp and all these things, and they have no idea. But you have, you have a situation. I've seen this all the time. You have someone who says, I went to this and this kever, and I davened, and it worked. So I'm, I'm just spreading it for you, you should do it. Okay, you do the exact same thing, and it doesn't work. Why not? Because you don't know what the problem is. Assuming there's a problem. Let's say the problem is that that person needed to daven. First of all, half the time it could be they gave tzedakah and they didn't even realize that that was the mitzvah that did it. Maybe they said moidani and that was the one that did it. But let's say in their mind it's because they said nishmas 40 days. Now here's the problem. Maybe for that person that was the blockage. But for you, because you're a Gilgal of, uh, of sorry, Menu, and she couldn't have kids, and then you also have to, you don't know what the problem is. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a release in that, is that you, you don't know. And therefore, yes, there's hints to it. But you just get to, I, 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 someone asked me recently about a certain very controversial topic in Yiddishkeit. I'm definitely not touching on a recording with a 10-foot pole. And I said, Should, is this right or wrong? And I said, Tomim tia im Hashem which means you serve Hashem simply. 
unsophisticated, not simple in an ignorant way, but simple in a not complicated. This removes complication somehow. Gilgulim, which complicates lives, actually removes complication because then it's so complex, you don't have to worry about it. You, don't, you just get up in the morning and you don't, it's not like, listen, if you knew exactly what you did and what's the cause and what's the problem, then you'd have to be spending your whole life going to mountaintops. You have no idea. And there's a beauty to that. It releases you. You have no idea what's going on and therefore don't expect anything. Just serve Hashem. Ultimately, when a Jew serves Hashem, Hashem takes care of those Jews that serve Him. As the Chavetz Chaim famously said in Yitzchei Yisrael, it doesn't make sense that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would take care of people who don't serve Him and not take care of people who serve Him. True, but there's a certain, there's a certain menuchas HaNefesh that you get where you just wake up in the morning and you say, you know what, I'm just going to serve Hashem today. I, am I going to get reward? I don't know, because I don't know who I am. I don't know how many times I've been here. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm trying to fix, but there's a certain release to that, which is just, you know what? Serve Hashem today, because it's the right thing to do. Not because you expect anything, not because of this, because you know what? You have to fix 20 things. I don't even know what's going to be with you, and that's fine. We hope the best, but just serve Hashem simply. And I know some people will probably hear this and be freaked out even more. But for me, that helps. Because just give, you know, it's like the very famous marshal from the Dubna Maggid, I'll say it over. It's a great marshal. The Dubna Maggid gave over a marshal that there was a, a, there was a, a poor Jew who's walking on the side of the road and there's a wealthy Jew in a wagon. And he, and he says to the Jew, he says, why don't you get in the wagon? He's schlepping. He says, I don't know, I don't want to. He says, no, go, 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 go in the wagon. So he gets in the wagon, and he notices that the, the, while the wagon says, he notices the poor Jew is still holding the bag on his shoulder. So he says, put the bag down. You're in the wagon, anyway. put the bag down. So the poor Jew said, it's enough that your, that your horse has to schlep me. He shouldn't have to schlep the bag also. I'll hold on to the bag. So obviously it's ridiculous. What's the answer? The answer is, that's all of us, right? We believe in Hashem, we're willing to get in, but there's still things that we're in control with. You're, you're, he's in control, he put the bag down. David HaMel said, Give over your package to Hashem and He'll take care. There's a certain release that I don't know what's going on, and that's the beauty of it. So as, the, as Rav Kluger says, Gilgulim, first of all, makes you realize it's a big picture, which means everything that's happened to you is absolutely for a reason. So first of all, it's not chaos, and it's not punishing you, and it's not you're a bad person. Everything is happening for a reason. The problem with that is that some people want to be in control, and they say, well, then why am I doing it if I can't figure out? The answer is... That's exactly the point. We don't serve Hashem to have instant gratification. We don't serve Hashem because we can get certain things out of it. We do it because it's the right thing to do. It's emes la'amitai, and there's no other purpose to existence. And therefore, dafka, through the complication of Gilgul, makes life simple. Which is, you wake up every morning, and all you have to do is simply serve Hashem. Why? Because that's the only thing that matters, and the only thing that's important, the only thing that makes sense in life. What's going to happen? Let him figure that out. Don't hold on to your bag. Nothing. We, don't, we have no ability to understand anything. Everything that happens, I have to watch a video online. Right? I was trying to figure out what was going on with the speaker. I didn't even understand. I had to watch a video to explain it to me. I don't know anything in life. But I'm supposed to figure out why if I say Amen 19 times, my friend got the good Zach, but I'm not getting that. You, 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 your, your mindset, you, you, your limitations of knowledge is so minuscule, but you expect to understand You're not going to understand everything. But that's fine, and that's great, and that's liberating. 
Live Hashem simply, serve Him simply, and He'll take care of the rest. And ultimately, as Rav Kluger says at the end, if a Jew realizes what's difficult to him and he dafka doesn't run away from it but leans into that he'll ultimately perfect his tikkun he'll fix what he has to fix and Hashem will take care of the rest but not to worry and not to think not to overthink but it's to serve Hashem simply and that's that's the ultimate the greatness of this parsha of Gilgulim is that it shows you there's a big picture but it's such a big picture you'll never understand if you don't have to worry about it yourself. You do what's right because it's right not to get a reward. And the truth is, in the end, counter to Hashem takes care and Hashem sends you the reward. That's not why you do. We should always like to continue pushing and pushing. Hashem will fix this and reveal all the good